go. Let's do Let's this. Let's do this. We got a debate to watch in <laughs> 30-ish minutes. I think so. Oh, well, I, I don't. I never looked up what time it was, but yeah. Well, that's what we have to do next. So this is Known Unknown. Known Unknown. The podcast. Your number one podcast. I'm Carly. I'm Harry. And we're going to tell you about the Eastern State Penitentiary. We got a big special episode for you. Mm-hmm. We have a we have an interview after this little intro with Paul Cahan. Yep, that's right. And he's a historian and he wrote a book on the Eastern State Penitentiary. It's called Eastern State Penitentiary, A History. That's right. And he is so, he could, oh my God, he knew so much. Yeah. And the reason we had him on is because we wanted him to give us like a real like history background of Eastern State Penitentiary. And mm-hmm. he talks a little bit of, like, not really about his book necessarily, but, but kind of because he goes into the history of the whole building because we think it's important to know the historical background before yeah, going like oh um uh, ghosts live there <laughs> so you know I, we don't talk much about ghosts because he doesn't know he wasn't a paranormal investigator yeah. he was just he worked there for a while and he saw some he watched a lot of uh ghost tours but mm-hmm. um yeah, he mean he just yeah, he knew a lot about the history of the prison. Yeah, so it's it was a really, really interesting, interesting place. But, it was really cool. But yeah, we talked about it because it was one of it's like one of the most most haunted places out there. Yeah. Right. And we, yeah, it is. And we figured if someone could give an actual like detailed, like good, in depth, accurate, <laughs> very well researched <laughs> uh, description of the prison and give us a good background. Mm-hmm. on it that it would be uh good to bring him in and do that and it's really interesting i think you guys will all really in- enjoy it actually mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay yeah I um hope so. so we're gonna start off and give you a little like introduction more hot ha- more ghost ghosty mm-hmm. to the um to the prison give you some kind of general information so you don't just go into it like very confused right and uh yeah. yeah, and we're going to talk a little bit about the ghosts in it. And then when you hear about the history of the prison, it'll kind of all mm-hmm. bring it together. Like, you'll understand why it's maybe so haunted. <laughs> or, right. yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so where is the prison, Harry? It's in uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Cool. <laughs> I just couldn't remember. Oh, yeah. I knew it was in Pennsylvania. I forgot it was in... Mm-hmm. Okay, can I start? Yeah, go, please. Okay. I don't have very much to say about it at all. So. Great. I got my information from an NPR article <laughs> and uh, the history... What did I... No, the Travel Channel. Okay. I didn't get much information from the Travel mm-hmm, Channel. Because... It was like... Yeah. Well... I got I... a few sentences. Mm-hmm, but their, their Ghost Adventures show has visited there. Visited yes. the penitentiary, right? Yes. So Here, like, I'll get in. Yeah. Oh, okay, great. So the prison, which closed in 1971, Harry, when did it open? Uh, I don't 18... know. 18, Paul says it, you'll know. It was like <laughs> early 1800s, I think. Yes, it um, was. So it closed in 1971, is considered by several sources to be one of the most haunted places in America. Oh. You can also watch a BuzzFeed Unsolved video mm-hmm. on it. <laughs> Very funny and good. 
and he, they give you a lot of information about it. Just like our podcast. Exactly. Uh, it has been featured on the Travel Channel's Ghost Adventures and Most Haunted Live. Okay. Sci-Fi's Ghost Hunters. Oh, yeah. And MTV's Fear. <laughs> okay. Dozens of paranormal researchers visit every year and report that it's a hub of otherworldly activity. Mm. Perhaps most convincingly, there are the stories of eerie experiences by visitors, staff, guards, and inmates that have corroborated each other's each other since the 1940s. Mm. So, cell block 12 is probably the most haunted cell block, apparently. Oh, okay. Interesting. Um, yeah, it's known for echoing voices and cackling. Mm. That might have been the one that inmates like set fire to or something to like protest over yeah there was they like the inmates protested over overcrowding overcrowding which is interesting because paul will talk a little bit about how it was originally built for like isolation and Mm -hmm. um what's the word i'm looking for i don't know solitary confinement right you had to be by yourself at all times you couldn't have any human interaction Mm -hmm. whatsoever yeah um, but then it ended up getting overcrowded. So these cell blocks that were made for like, well, you'll you'll hear made for like <laughs> one person had like three or four people in it, <laughs> which is insane. So yeah, they like set fire to some cell blocks. Oh wow! Um, to protest, and then cell block six is haunted for shadowy figures darting along the walls. Cell block four is known for visions of ghostly faces, oh. and many people have reported seeing a silhouette of a guard in one of the towers. Oh. Footsteps, wails, whispers, the same stories over and over mm-hmm. again. In the BuzzFeed Unsolved video, they hear like footsteps and whistling and <laughs> screaming. It's actually kind of interesting. Hmm. Okay. I know. It's, yeah, it was interesting. So, Eastern State's most famous inmate, which Paul will also say, but I just, I don't think he talked much about the haunted side of it. So, it was probably Chicago gangster Al Capone. Yeah, I didn't know that he spent time at Eastern State. I associate him more with Alcatraz, but I don't know if he was actually there. I think he was. Okay. (laughs) From 1929 to 1930, Capone only served eight months for carrying a concealed deadly weapon. Oh, okay. Got it. So, um... I didn't know what he was there, how long he was there. And did uh, did Paul mention that his cell was actually the nicest one at Eastern State when no, he was I there? No, I don't think he mentioned that. Yeah. you can. <laughs> they actually have it set up now the way it was originally set up when he lived there. And yeah. you can like visit how luxurious his cell was. <laughs> That's it, cool. It had a furnish. It had furnishings, including a desk, lamp, uh, like nice paintings and a cabinet radio and you can like you can see pictures of it he has like a nice like puffy chair (laughs) and like a nice desk and it's crazy so does he haunt that cell now i haven't heard anything about him haunting no because he didn't spend much time there right but he's got better places to haunt he frequently complained and was heard screaming in the middle of the night for a james to go away oh. like get out of here james like go away like he would like mm. go and say like he would start screaming and then he would complain to the guards that james clark one of the victims of the saint valentine's day massacre in chicago oh. that he orchestrated most likely i think wasn't it it's just yeah. kind of alleged um he was murdered there so he uh. 
he was always screaming about a James, but it's also he was held in solitary confinement, even though it was a nice cell. He was right. still cut off from the world for eight months, so he probably went mad. <laughs> yeah, anyone would. Right. You know. I, so I, I think. Certainly would. Uh, well, I don't know. That's kind of my dream. But like they. Yeah, okay. you'll learn more about. But like but it, it was so the the ghosts of James Clark followed him there. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So he could still, yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. One of the most legendary tales comes from Jerry John Gary Johnson, oh. uh, who helps maintain the old locks of the the crumbling old locks of the prison. In the early 1990s, he had just opened an old lock in cell block four okay. when he says a force gripped him so tightly that he was unable to move. He described a negative, horrible energy that exploded out of the cell, and he said tormented faces appeared on the cell walls, and that one front form in particular beckoned to him. Oh. But this is interesting. Okay. Tour guide Ben Bookman was interviewed, and he says, it's a lot harder to find a believer than it is to find a skeptic here. Hmm, Which okay. is interesting. We at Eastern State do not claim that the prison is haunted. We run a haunted attraction. <laughs> so Bookman says the staff does not like to exploit the prison's darker image. Mm-hmm. Quote, most people making TV shows come in looking for ghosts. That's not the story we tell. Inmates were real people. These were people's lives. 70,000 people spent time here. We're not going to glorify it and we're not going to make fun of it. All right. And I thought that was just kind of... Yeah, that's good. It's, uh, that's a definitely nice good. I mean, there's say, a lot yeah. more interesting about the prison just than the haunted. No, aspect for sure. Of it. Like, it's interesting because all of the articles I was reading said Eastern State Penitentiary held some of the most gruesome, like, uh, crimes, like, uh-huh. pe- like inmates who did the most gruesome crimes. And Paul was like, "No, a lot of it, uh, uh-huh. it wasn't the most." Yeah, it, was, it wasn't serial killers or mm-hmm. like crazy. Like Al Capone was held there for carrying a conceal or whatever Could, yeah, weapon. Think, mm-hmm. Like uh, he said, it was mostly like what, like theft and like just kind of petty crimes. Yeah, not mm-hmm. it wasn't a lot of like it was like the solitary confinement that people went mad right. in and the torture that they went through when they were there. Mm-hmm. That makes it so, yeah. It's like a, more, makes it such a dark place. Yeah, it's more you know? what happened to people once they were there rather than what actually got them there. Yeah. yeah. So it's not like oh, this guy was a serial. No, it was it, cr- they were tortured. I think he talks a little bit about some of the torturing. Yeah. <laughs> mechanisms. <laughs> yeah. It's it's it was rough. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all I have to say about it. I think that's a pretty good uh, introduction. Okay, great. Thank you. So, uh, stay tuned. Wait, I- you're not going to say anything? No, I, I think that you, like, gave a great little, uh, oh. introduction to, oh. I don't, I don't need to add anything. Are you sure? Yeah. Oh. I- <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Okay, great. All right, well, we'll, uh, talk to you after the interview, Mm-hmm. So enjoy that. Yeah. Thank you, Paul Cahan. Wonderful human being. Yes. So he's very smart. You will hear that in mm-hmm. this interview. <laughs> Definitely. You will learn a lot. It's very interesting. Yeah, it's so, really, really informative. Yeah, it is really, it's really good. Uh, so enjoy. Enjoy.
So we're here with Paul Cahan. Uh, who's a writer and historian. Um, uh, how are you doing, Paul? <laughs> I'm doing all right. Glad to be here. We're glad to have you. Um, tell us a little about yourself and your book. Great. Yeah. So uh, the book we're here to discuss is Eastern State Penitentiary of History, Woo-hoo. which is my first book. It was published in 2008. And it grew out of my experiences working at Eastern State Penitentiary as a docent when I was in graduate school. I was there for most of 2006 and the first half of 2007. And when I was looking around for topics to write my dissertation on, um, Eastern State Penitentiary suggested itself in Uh a lot of different ways. And so I ended up writing my dissertation on the elements of the prison's history. But before I could do that... I needed a really good understanding of the prison's history and sort of the ins and the outs of daily life in the prison. Uh-huh. And so I sat down and wrote Eastern State Penitentiary History. And uh, 12 years later, people are still <laughs> fascinated by the book, which is, I, I think, a pretty good thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a cool place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're from the Philadelphia area, is that right? Or, or Yeah, so you... I grew up in Lansdale, which is this teeny tiny town uh in Montgomery County, which is north of the city. Uh-huh. And uh, I went to college in Western New York, came back for grad school. Uh, then I lived in California for five years, and now I live in Ardmore, which is on the western side of the city. Oh, okay. Uh, so, so growing up, were you aware of the Eastern State Penitentiary and its like significance, or was it something you discovered later on? Or no. So, actually, I can tell you, I remember the first time I saw Eastern State Penitentiary. It was in February of 2005, and I had taken the train down to visit an acquaintance who was living in Fairmount, and I had never been to that part of the city. And I was walking along Fairmount Avenue and I, I, as you know, I was sort of just in my own head. And then I realized I was walking next to what looked like a medieval castle that just seemed to go on for <laughs> right. hundreds of feet. It's, it's a yeah. city block long. Uh, and that was my Gosh. first experience. And then the second time I was there, I was there later that year for Terror Behind the Walls. Um, which is, of course, uh-huh. the world-renowned haunted house that they do every year. Oh, yeah. cool. And it's uh, incredibly frightening in large part because it's so disorienting. You have no idea Mm -hmm. where you are in the prison. Um, So that was actually my introduction to Eastern State. And then it was just answering a Craigslist ad looking for a docent. Um, (laughs) And I happened to get recruited the following spring to be a a docent at the prison. Oh, cool. That Craigslist (laughs) ad changed my life in more ways than one. (laughs) Yeah. Did you ever, um, working there, did you ever experience it? experience anything paranormal or are you not like into that (laughs) well so um i'll tell you when we when we were there uh the the official line was if 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 ghosts could exist anywhere they would exist at eastern state penitentiary (laughs) i myself never experienced anything i i knew people who were there who who had experiences or claimed to have had experiences but one of the real benefits of working at eastern state penitentiary was that they constantly had ghost tours come in and ghost Mm -hmm. tours took place at night and paid time and a half so anytime they would get scheduled. I would sign up for them because sure, yeah. I wanted I wanted the money. Uh, <laughs> yeah, of it course. was a really easy gig. Like I'd go over to my girlfriend's place at the time. She lived in Fairmount. I'd have dinner and then I'd come back to the prison. I'd give a short tour and then I would just kind of watch them do their own thing. And yeah. it's really interesting the the diversity of 
approaches to paranormal investigations. Oh, you yeah? have sort of the more religious orientation, you have sort of more the technological orientation, the more spiritual organiza- uh, orientation. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And yeah. of course, you know, I was just watching the dollar signs pile up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, can you tell us a little, I don't know, can you tell us a little bit about the, maybe some history sure. of the penitentiary? A little, br- I know you know a ton. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Well, I'll try to keep it, I'll try to keep it pretty surface level so (laughs) one of the things oh yeah because i can get into the weeds real fast on the prison but (laughs) one of the things about prisons in general is that they're they're a lot younger than we tend to think of Uh i mean we you know in america they're so ubiquitous they're everywhere and you know even as kids it's like you do something wrong you go to jail but incarceration as a punishment for crime is a relatively recent phenomena. It dates to the middle part of the 18th century. So right around the time of the American Revolution and then later the French Revolution, people are really beginning to rethink punishments for crime, which up to that point had been overwhelmingly physical. If you were convicted of crime, they would put you in the stocks, they'd cut off your ears, they'd brand you, you know, all (laughs) kinds of really pleasant things. Right. And there's this whole movement in the 18th century that says, you know, this is really not humane, number one, but also it's it's really not effective. What what are we teaching people? Are are we making people better? And it's this moment in history where perfecting human beings and making them better is really, really on people's minds. And so the argument is, well, maybe what we'll do is rather than beating on them, we should focus Mm -hmm. on reforming them. And so the next question is, well, what's what's involved in that? And and the answer is, we need time. Uh-huh. We need lots and lots of time. Sure. And yeah. so they say, all right, well, here's what we'll do. We'll build these special buildings and we'll control all aspects. We'll control who gets to see these people, the, mm-hmm. the things that they're reading. And we'll try to use that as a moment to reform them. Okay. And in fact, um, you have several attempts to do that in England, but the first penitentiary in the united states is in philadelphia at the walnut street jail which is a a building that's built in 1776 and then they build a special wing on the back that's called the penitentiary in Uh 1790 and penitentiary literally means penitence it's a building that's designed to inspire penitence Uh and this experiment doesn't work for a variety of different reasons but the, the organization that is really pushing for this is called the Philadelphia Society for Alleviating the Miseries of Public Prisons. It's an organization that attracts many leading Philadelphians, including Benjamin Franklin, and they argue that the problem with the Walnut Street Jail is it's just a building, that what they really need is a building that's designed to uh, around this philosophy. And the philosophy is... We need to segregate inmates. We need to control what they're reading and who they're talking to. We need to train them in a career. And we need them to be anonymous. Because Mm -hmm. Philadelphia is a a very small town, really, until the middle of the 19th century. Uh And so if you spent time in jail with someone, odds are they would recognize you on the streets of Philadelphia. And it would prevent you from from becoming a new human being. Mm -hmm. And so in the 1820s, they build Eastern State Penitentiary, where the entire purpose of the building is segregating inmates. And they go to extraordinary lengths to do this. I mean, the walls are several feet thick. 
The pipes <laughs> come out in the hallway to prevent you from tapping out messages. Guards wear st- um, uh, booties on their shoes so that there's no sound. Oh my God. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and when you come into the prison, you they put a mask on you so that you don't know where you are in the prison. You don't really know who's there. The cells mm-hmm. don't open onto the cell blocks. They open into exercise yards that are that are attached to the back of the cell. I mean, it's a really bizarre use of architecture to sort of reinforce these these ideas yeah yeah and and opens in 1829 the original cell blocks are completed in 1836 and if you were to look down on the prison it would almost be it would look like a wagon wheel that had been surrounded by a square uh wall because you have this central area where the most of the administration takes place and then the cell Mm -hmm. blocks radiate off of that like spokes on a wheel and the idea is that you can maintain maximum surveillance you don't really need much in the way of staffing because the inmates are supposed to be in their cells 23 hours a day and they're supposed to be deathly silent mm-hmm. so it's it's really fascinating experiment that almost from the beginning fails <laughs> yeah, yeah. Were, were there any other prisons designed with this like similar system of like totally separating all the inmates or so is... it was very popular in europe in oh, fact okay. um god and i'm blanking on the guy's name the uh, alexa de tocqueville whose okay. big books democracy in america actually came to the united states from france to study uh-huh. the penitentiary system that's okay. really why he was here uh-huh. and you know, he recommends it to the French government. It's it's picked up in, in England in certain places and in South America. But it really loses out in competition to the other great penitentiary system of the time, the New York system, mm. which is very similar in that inmates are supposed to be segregated from one another. They're supposed to be in silence. But whereas you spent 23 hours a day in your cell in Eastern State Penitentiary, mm-hmm. in the New York system, which is, is used at Sing Sing, you were taken out of your cells to work in factory style work environments. And the New York right. system is incredibly brutal. I mean, they enforce mm-hmm. discipline with whips uh-huh. and beatings and all kinds of nasty things. There's a lot of brutality to Eastern State Penitentiary, but it's incidental to the prison's mission. At Sing Sting, uh-huh. it is brutality right. on an un- really unbelievable scale. Okay. Huh. Um. Uh, well, so you, you mentioned that the like system failed almost immediately um, when when that started. Uh, did, in what in what ways did it fail? Was- so, as you might imagine, keeping individuals in cells large enough for them not only to live but also to work, because these inmates were supposed to be learning a trade, and then also have an exercise area. was incredibly expensive. I mean, Eastern State Penitentiary was the most technologically advanced building Mm -hmm. of its time and the most expensive public works in U.S. history up to that point. Uh Inmates in Eastern State Penitentiary had indoor plumbing and toilet facilities when President Andrew Jackson was still using an outhouse. (laughs) Um, So this was an incredibly expensive building. Now, that's not all it's cracked up to be because the toilets were just essentially cisterns that you did your business on (laughs) and then it, it kind of sat in the pipe until yeah. it was flushed yeah. out piece a day. So the smell was delightful. But, um, <laughs> you know, it was an incredibly expensive building to run and to build and to operate. And right. part of the problem was that the, the Pennsylvania Assembly was really always pressuring Eastern State to cut expenses. And mm, so there was a lot yeah. of quarter, 
corner cutting. Inmates uh. were taken out to work around the prison. They were they were taken in to do administrative tasks. And all of the escapes that we see in the prison's early years have to do with breakdowns of that Pennsylvania system. In uh -huh. fact, the war threw a New Year's party at one point, and the first inmate to ever escape the prison was brought in to clean up his quarters. And what he did was basically tie the warden's bedsheets together, go out a window, and just <laughs> shoot down the, the prison. Um, in addition... There was a lot of violence against inmates who were oh. recalcitrant. Um, they would do charming things like hook them up to this thing called an iron gag, which is a, a, a metal bit that's forced into your teeth, and then it's strapped to both sides of your face, and then your hands are jammed around behind your back, mm -hmm. and the straps are tied to your hands. And so as, as your hands lower out of fatigue, it jams the bit in your throat and slowly chokes you. Mm -hmm. Or inmates would be tied to walls and they would have freezing water dumped on them in, in January and February. Mm -hmm. um, a really shocking amount of brutality. And uh -huh. in large part because Eastern State was always understaffed and after the Civil War, always overcrowded. Mm -hmm. And the administration was always forced to try and cut corners wherever it could. My next question was going to be like whether or what what the inmates there thought of the prison, but it sounds like it wasn't wasn't a great experience for them. <laughs> well, that's that's another really interesting question. So it's it's kind of interesting because I'll give you a couple of of stories that kind of address that. It's hard to know okay. what inmates thought because Eastern State Penitentiary's inmates are overwhelmingly poor, mm -hmm. undereducated. Yeah. They're sent to prison for, for property crimes like theft. These are not violent people in general. Uh -huh. They're poor people doing okay. what poor people do, just trying to survive. Right. right. So they don't leave a lot of records. And that's one of the most frustrating aspects of sort of researching the prison's history. You're forced to rely on official records, mm -hmm. um, particularly in the 19th century with very little written by inmates. There are a couple right. of love letters that are written huh. between a male and female in inmate in the 1860s. <laughs> but a lot of it is just, you know, people who would come to visit the prison, and the prison was a tourist attraction from the yeah, day. It attracted tens of thousands of visitors. Yeah. So when I researched my book, a lot of it was, I would read people who said, oh, I went to the prison and I saw this, or I, you know, that, or the right. newspapers. Mm -hmm. But in any event, getting back to inmates, it's interesting because... There's an inmate in, I want to say the 1840s, it may have been the 1850s, who's an alcoholic. And he's not convicted of anything, but he goes to the prison's administration. He says, look, I am drinking myself to death. The only way I can stop is if you let me stay in the prison. Uh -huh. And he, they actually do. They were like, all right, fine. You can be an inmate here. And he right. moves in and he dries out. And one day he's doing some chores uh, outside of his cell. And he just decides, I've had enough. And walks out the door and disappears. Huh. <laughs> now, that tells us a couple of different things. One is, you know, there are some inmates who, you know, there are some people who see no choice but to embrace this this penitent system. But also, right. what's he doing out of his cell? <laughs> yeah, He's that's not... around doing this. You know, it's a clear right. breakdown in the system's organization. Uh -huh. One of the other interesting aspects of the prison's history is that we've collected a lot of oral histories of inmates uh -huh. who were there in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s right. and the early 70s. And they describe it largely as a family, because mm. by that point in the prison's history, the guards and the inmates were coming from roughly the same neighborhoods. A lot of times they knew each mm. other, uh -huh. and there was a sort of understanding that, you know, to the degree that it's possible between guards and inmates, 
there was a lot of leeway and there was a lot of empathy, much mm. more so than you might get in other institutions. Huh. And there were inmates who in 71, when they were moved out, cried <laughs> because they knew they were going to places that were not going to be as empathetic and tolerant as Eastern yeah. State Penitentiary. Huh. I mean, I guess, yeah, they were given like a big room and they had their own bathroom. Like, I mean, it wasn't luxurious, but I'm sure it was better than a lot of other well, options. So, yeah. So after the Civil War, the prison gets overcrowded very quickly. And that's when you start ending up with two inmates to a cell, sometimes three inmates to a cell. Oh, okay. And those spaces shrink very quickly. Mm-hmm. And they also add additional cell blocks and the cells get progressively smaller as they're adding cell blocks because they're just kind of jamming them in wherever they can (laughs) find space. Sure. So the cells in the, in the cell blocks that are built in the twenties are teeny tiny relative Uh, to the cells that were built in the 1820s and thirties. Ah, got it. I didn't know that. Uh, But you said it was mostly people uh, in the, at least in the early days, people with like property crimes, like theft yeah. and stuff. And that's uh, still true today. I mean, uh-huh. roughly 75% of the people sent to Eastern State Penitentiary were sent there for nonviolent property uh-huh. offenses. Okay. And then you have, you know, people, even for people for so-called crimes against people, you have a mm-hmm. lot of adultery, um, incest, uh, mm-hmm. bigamy, uh, uh-huh. sodomy and buggery you know so it's a, a lot of crimes that are not are not not only nonviolent but also somewhat victimless right so it's not this you know supermax mm-hmm. prison with the worst of the worst and you know violent offender i mean you know we tend to think of, of these places as like it's all hannibal lecters mm-hmm. uh, but that's not really accurate right uh-huh were, the, yeah. were there any uh, particularly significant or well-known prisoners that sure. served time there? Okay. So in the 19th century, uh, you have a guy by the name of, I want to say Charles Yerkes, who was a financier um, who basically was a grifter. Uh, Theodore Dreiser's novel, The, uh, the Financier, is based on his life. Um, you have, of course, Willie Sutton, famed bank robber and jailbreaker. You have Al Capone. Oh. Oh, um, you have a famed um, forger um, whose mm. name is, I want to say, J- James Buchanan. Kind of like the president, <laughs> but a different guy. Okay. Um, no one, I'm, <laughs> there are a lot forged. of people who were famous in their time. Uh-huh, sure. State Penitentiary, but you wouldn't have heard of right. them. Sure. Really. That makes yeah. sense. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it was it was the play. It, you know, there was a period where East, where Pennsylvania was sort of split down the middle, uh-huh. and crimes committed for the most part in the eastern part of the district. Uh, the eastern part of the Commonwealth went to Eastern State. Crimes makes committed sense. in the western part went to Western State. And then the federal government, because there were no federal prisons until the 20th century, if you committed uh-huh. crimes against the United States, okay. um, federal government would rent cells from state uh-huh. prisons. And send inmates there. Okay. It's really only in the, in the 20th century when you see a, a massive explosion in the number of federal crimes that, the, that they start building federal penitentiaries. Yeah. Hmm. See, I know all kinds of nerdy yeah. stuff. No, it, yeah. No, no. <laughs> That's really, yeah. I, I will, charming well, <laughs> at cocktail parties, let me tell you. Yeah. Well, I'm just, I'm just curious, what was it uh, initially that like fascinated you about the prison and made you want to study it? 
So that's a really good question. So when I was in graduate school, I was studying the history of education. Um, that was my major field of study. Okay. And one of the things that I, I actually started writing another dissertation about the relationship between libraries and pri- at libraries and schools and museums in Philadelphia, and it really wasn't coming together. And I was sitting at work at Eastern State Penitentiary, sort of despairing of the fact that this was just <laughs> not coming together. Right. And we had pamphlets that had maps of the prison that you would hand out to people. And I would just happen to be kind of mindlessly looking at it. One of the areas Mm -hmm. that we had noted on there was the prison classroom, which Mm. was open to the public. Uh But then I got thinking about the fact that, you know, one of the things that, that inmates are supposed to be doing is learning. Right. Um, And so I, I went to my dissertation advisor and I said, look, this, this museum schools thing just isn't coming together. I'd like mm-hmm. to spend a little bit of time and, and think about prison education. And he was huh. a little skeptical at first. Uh-huh. But from the, the day that we had that meeting to the day I defended my dissertation, it was less than two years. Huh. And that was wow. to take a year off to write Eastern State Penitentiary History. Um, wow. Just sort of clicked. Mm-hmm. Um, because because penitentiaries are supposed to, are supposed to educate people. They are yeah. consciously mm-hmm. educational institutions. Right. And the type of education changes over time. And so if you go to places like the Ohio State Reformatory at Mansfield, where they filmed the Shawshank Redemption, mm-hmm. on the third floor of their administration building are several classrooms. And there are classrooms at other institutions that have been converted into museums. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's, it's something we don't really talk about, and there's a really rich history of all of that. And you can sort of track different right. ideas about education and about inmates huh. by looking at Eastern State Penitentiary's history. And yeah, that's what the dissertation was all about. Oh, okay. Huh. Yeah, that sounds really fascinating. An interesting way to look at, yeah, education. and. Yeah, I mean, thank God I, I had the job at Eastern State when I did, or I'd still be noodling around with that dissertation <laughs> and not going anywhere with my life. So. <laughs> I guess we should talk about some of the ghost stories uh, sure. about, um, yeah. are there, uh, I don't know. What, what, what are a couple of the most well-known ghosts of the prison or like Mo or are there, are there any that are like famous? To, I don't know that there are any that are famous. Um, I will tell fans. you that when I was there and we did ghost tours, uh-huh. inevitably there would be a spike in EMPs at the, uh, at the center of the northernmost wall. Um, And we could never quite understand why that was. Hmm. Um, We didn't know if, you know, they had to put electrical lines down there or what was going on, but there was a big spike there. Um, And I led tours, you know, through at at one point before they closed it for renovations, the hospital area, um, which was in cell block three, cell block three was converted to a hospital. And there were people who claimed that they felt, um, ghostly presences there that they felt some uh-huh. suffering there um the death row even though no inmates were ever executed at eastern state penitentiary the prison had a death row where uh-huh. inmates awaited transfer right. to mm-hmm. um the execution chamber in uh-huh. uh, centerville um there were people who claimed that they they felt despair and presences there i mean mm-hmm. there was one of the things about the prison is it's particularly in the 19th century, becomes a dumping ground for people with mental illness. Uh. So I tell a story in my, my book about, you know, the guard opens the cells up. The cells have mm-hmm. these big, heavy wooden doors in front of them. So that in the mornings, the the guards would slide them open so there'd be ventilation. 
And this guard, you know, in the 1870s opens the door and the inmate is standing there and he says, I have a present for you. And he hands the guard huh. through the, the cell grate a, 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 a bed sheet that's sort of oval shaped. The guard opens it up and it's a head. The oh. guard, the, the inmate had severed his roommate's head. Oh, boy. Uh, you know, there's a, a really terrible story about an inmate who got some bad family news and uh-huh. ended up on top of one of the cell blocks. This is like in the mid 60s and ends up committing cutting open his veins in his wrist in his arms and mm-hmm. bleeding out on top of the cell blocks um, you know there's all kinds of crazy violent activity there uh-huh. are riots um, so there's a yeah. lot of loss okay. of life and there's a lot of suffering right. yeah. I mean it was not in, in the early part of the 19th century long sentences were pretty mm-hmm. unusual you didn't get 25 to life 50 years to life yeah. but in the get tough period of the 20th century those sentences longer sentences become the thing and so people are spending their entire lives at eastern Mm -hmm. state penitentiary and it's it's really shocking Mm -hmm. um and there there's a lot more violence in the late 19th and early part of the 20th century Mm. um there are some people who claim that they've they've found they've heard the ghost of al capone um, which is astonishing because his brain was eaten by syphilis and he died with the mental capacity of like a 12 year old. Yeah. So what that would sound like would be pretty awful. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not sure that a 12 year old, a, a gangster with the mental acuity of a 12 year old boy would be awesome, but whatever. Um, <laughs> so are all the ghosts apparent that are supposed to be there are the majority of them prisoners or are there any that are like not prisoners well that's a really good question so i have heard um several tales the the most famous of which comes from gary the locksmith and that is okay. his official title gary the locksmith nice <laughs> and when the prison closed down in 71 it was largely abandoned the city uh-huh. used it kind of as a dumping area philly cops would go and do like training for um riot control or just to shoot off their guns um <laughs> And Gary the locksmith was this this guy who worked at Drexel. Mm-hmm. And he would just go to the prison and practice on the locks <laughs> in the prisons, picking <laughs> the locks. Yeah. And he claimed to have had this ghostly experience where he was surrounded by this spectral energy and he was picked up and carried through the prison and taken uh-huh. to a portal of hell um and uh you know the the story gets longer and and more detailed every time he tells it but i don't know that any of the ghosts that that anyone has ever claimed to meet have have identified themselves Uh um okay i I think that it's sort of more a a general feeling Uh, um most often people get like emps or feelings of despair Uh um of course you're probably familiar with with taps when they came in 2005 and that very controversial footage they got and i want to say cell block six um that depending on who who you are is either a person in a black cloak running or is a ghost okay (laughs) yeah you can google it on on, if you google it it's on youtube um and it was incredibly uh controversial at the time huh interesting i've never never seen that (laughs) google it it's 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 well worth it yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> no, I need to. One of the things about Eastern State Penitentiary is it attracts a lot of tall tales, as sure. you imagine. Uh, yes. Um, and so sort of sorting those out is kind of 
I mean, the, the place is wild enough that you don't have to make stuff up. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, I, yeah. Yeah. No, I was reading a little bit about the architecture a few days ago and how they use, like, forced perspective to, like, make it seem more grand, I, mm-hmm. I guess, as you're looking <laughs> up to it. I don't know. It's, an, it's, really? it's a really fascinating place. Yeah, from an architectural perspective, I mean, it's a, it's amazing. I mean, you step into the original cell blocks, cell blocks one, two, and three, which uh-huh. were the first completed, and you can still see they have these the, – the, uh, the ceilings are very tall. And they have mm-hmm. these circular skylights that are actually cone-shaped. And so at the top, mm. there's a teeny tiny little glass light, uh, glass skylight that diffuses the light. It's called an eye of God sunlight. Mm. And it actually really keeps the, the cell blocks reasonably bright, even on huh. overcast days, by diffusing the light. Oh, yeah. when, the, when, the cell, when the prison was initially open, the inmates had wooden f- uh, floors in their cells. And that was all well and good until the inmates started setting fire to them with their whale oil lamps. Oh. Yeah. So that's, that's when they switched those out or started pulling them up to get at the dirt underneath. Yeah. Um, so that was a serious problem. Um, but there are a lot of things so. we don't know about the prison, right? Just recently, they started digging down because they were replacing pipes and the walls right. actually go down further into the ground than they thought. Huh. Oh, wow. <laughs> the other thing is, and this is yes. really nerdy, so, so hold your hat. Philadelphia is an incredibly wet area. And if you okay. look at maps from when Penn settled it this, in the 1680s, it's right. dotted by all of these creeks. Mm-hmm. And in the later part of the 19th century, what they did was they turned those into the sewer system. So basically, Philadelphia's sewer system is largely just taking those creeks and putting tunnels around them. Huh. But when Eastern State was built, what they did was they just built over a lot of the creeks that were in that area. So there's a lot of water running underneath the prison. Huh. And, and Willie Sutton claims in his memoirs that he actually escaped from his cell and got underneath the prison. There are actually tunnels <laughs> underneath the prison for um, heating and, and things like that. And he claimed that he ended up in a, in a giant pool of water. And for a long time, people thought that was just him embellishing. But I actually think that's true because yeah. there is a lot of water that collects underneath the prison. And in fact, there's there are some places where the floor has collapsed mm-hmm. in the prison. You can actually see puddles of water in the tunnels underneath. Now, I wouldn't recommend going under there because they're they're lined with asbestos now. But <laughs> okay, it's sure, yeah. I'll avoid it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. it is. It's architecturally, it's incredibly fascinating. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't know that it was so cool looking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so when when like ghost investigation teams would come, would you like stick around for the investigation part normally, or just like give them a tour? So typically, or... I'd give them a tour, and then the, my role was to make sure they didn't break anything or take it. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I was just like because the the problem with the prison, the prison is a stabilized ruin, and so there uh-huh. are a lot of places in the prison more so when i was there than now but even today that you can't go because Mm -hmm. buildings are collapsing one of the things that happens when the prison closes is they stop mowing the lawns they stop taking Mm. care of the underbrush and so the 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 water system becomes clogged and the water just ends up running through the cell blocks flooding the tunnels and so even though it's only abandoned for 25 years it looks like it's been abandoned for 50 or 60 because yeah. the water just ate through a whole bunch uh, of stuff walls huh. collapsed it was a, it was really awful oh yeah and so as a result there are a lot of places it's just not okay to go right um Jeez. parts of death row for instance so death row is it has is a two-story building that has i want to say three cells on 
the west side of the first floor, three cells on the uh, east side, and then three and three upstairs. You can only see the three cells on the on the eastern part of the, the cell block. The rest of them are caged off. Hmm. Inevitably, people would try to get around the cages or you know climb them or whatever, thinking we were holding back stuff. And the reason <laughs> you do that is because one of the walls had collapsed on the other side of Death right. Row. Yeah. And so it was constantly stuff was dropping from the ceilings and... You know, you'd end up like Wiley e. Coyote. Something would fall out of the sky and just, you know, clock you on the head. And <laughs> yeah. Um, on the on the western side of the prison, the northwestern side, um, some walls had collapsed. Some buildings were not in good repair. Some of the floors had had begun buckling. So there were a lot of places that even as an employee, I couldn't go. Like I've never been up in in any of the guard turrets. Because they're just mm-hmm. not they're just not stable, and I've certainly never been underneath the prison because of the asbestos. Um, uh-huh. So you know, I think there was always this idea that like, oh no, you're holding back the really good stuff. And we're like, no, we don't want you to get lung cancer and <laughs> die. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> um, so a lot of my job was was protecting people from themselves. Oh sure, right. yeah, that's that's important. <laughs> yeah, yeah, people. People do dumb things when they think that you're holding out on them. Right. <laughs> and you really can't convince them that, like, no, this is for your your own benefit. Your Trust own me what I say. There's nothing worth seeing, and you will get lung cancer and or die. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, okay. um, but that was that was mostly my job. And then, of uh, course, sure. if they had questions uh-huh. or, you know, other stuff, sometimes I helped set up their equipment. You know, right. my feeling was I'm making time and a half. I will do whatever right. you want me. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, sure, oh, for sure. <laughs> I don't know. Time and a half. I don't know. Were you or are you at all interested in like those kind of paranormal type stuff, or what? What did you make of the the people who would come in to do that? Uh, their money repertory? spent real good. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I will say this. Look, I will say this. I have never had a paranormal experience. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I am ambivalent on the question of do ghosts exist? I have no evidence to judge mm-hmm. that. Yeah. I recognize that <laughs> the people that were coming to visit were coming to investigate because they cared, because they were committed to this, because it was important to them. And mm-hmm. I wanted them to feel as though right. that was validated yeah they sure. had yeah. gotten that mm-hmm. they had been taken seriously that they were shown respect that they were right. you know given an experience that was worth quite frankly the considerable amount of money they were paying for it right i never yeah. saw anything uh-huh. um, but you know that's not to say that there wasn't anything as we used to say if ghosts could exist anywhere they sure. would exist in state penitentiary uh-huh yeah <laughs> no that's probably right <laughs> is there any particular ghost stories or investigation questions that you wanted to know about so what's like what's the weirdest fact or like historical information that you know about the about the prison so (laughs) (laughs) so when the prison opened the area the lot to it its east side the southeastern side was one of the areas where people would dump privies so Hmm. when in an era when you didn't have bathrooms, you would in, at night you would use a chamber pot, which was essentially a pot that you, right. quite frankly, pissed in. Mm-hmm. And then someone would come along. You pay someone to come and take it out, and they would, for that area, they would drag it out to the area next to the prison, and they would dump it. And you can imagine the smell was delightful. Yeah, uh, <laughs> there is a a 
a statement from one of the guards from the prison in the 1830s or 1840s talking about how he would walk two miles from the prison back into what what is now Center City, what was then just the city of Philadelphia. And he would still smell like urine and feces. Mm -hmm. So the takeaway here is the prison smelled awful. Uh. It was an unbelievable stench. And if you've ever Uh been in Philadelphia in July, not only was it an unbelievable stench, but it was hot and moist and it just hung around you. And so whatever, you know, that to me is the worst punishment imaginable. Trapped in a hot cell surrounded by the smell of toilet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. How's that for the weirdest fact about the prison (laughs) all right yeah seems very unpleasant yeah no it sounds horrible um i don't so are you you working on any other uh uh, books right now any other histories yeah actually so eastern sea penitentiary was my first book i have published a total of six um my the book that i'm working on right now is a narrative history of Philadelphia called Shocker of Shockers, Philadelphia History. All right. <laughs> out next year. And it's really designed for one of the things about Philadelphia's history, if you grow up in Philadelphia, is that we do a miserable job remembering our own history, which sounds weird because history tourism is such a big deal here. People come to see the Liberty Bell, right. Independence Hall, yeah. all that kind of stuff. But that's all the national history. Right. Philadelphia has its own unique history. Uh-huh. That most people think of as just, you know, William Penn, the guy on the Quaker Oats canister. <laughs> um, but the city's history is really interesting and fascinating, and I wanted to tell that story. Uh-huh. And um, so I, I'm writing that book, and I'm writing it really for people who otherwise wouldn't pick up a history book necessarily. Uh-huh. But, you know, and it's, it's very grounded in place. Like, I want you to read this book and know... This happened here. This happened right. there. You know, as you're walking uh-huh. around the city, yeah. to have a real appreciation for the places and the spaces that that make it a unique place. Okay. So most of that my work great. is it, 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 it is focused on the history of Pennsylvania. Uh-huh. Uh, a lot of it in the Civil War era. I've written biographies after Philadelphia. I'm, I'm writing a biography of President James Buchanan, the only president from from Pennsylvania, and a miserable failure. <laughs> um yeah he's 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 awful but um uh yeah so that's that's my work and I, i'm really proud of the philadelphia book it's it's coming out with the university of pennsylvania press keep your fingers crossed it'll be out next year and okay. i'm super excited about it all right yeah we might have to get that and then take a trip to philadelphia i know right yeah, great that yeah sounds great <laughs> um and no, where can cool. people uh find your work online so um they can check my website, paulkahan.com, K-A-H-N.com. Right. All of my books are available on Amazon. Uh, you can okay. also buy them from the publisher. The Eastern State Penitentiary of History was published by uh, the History Press. Their website is uh-huh. historypress.net. Um, okay. You can also find it at Great. your local Barnes & Noble. Okay, awesome. Oh, and cool. do you have any uh, social media you want to plug? Or uh... Sure. Uh, people, okay. I have an author page that people can find. It's linked from my... Um, for my for my website, um, you know, as I gear up to do book tours or I'm posting interesting facts, uh, you'll find them there. Um, uh-huh. Other than that, you know, it's mostly just my website. Okay, awesome. Sweet. Well, thank you very much, Paul. Well, thank it's been, you. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think it's our been audience really interesting talking yeah. to you. Yeah, it has. Thank right, cool. you so much. Thanks again. You guys have a great night. Yeah, yeah you, you too. too. Thank you, Paul. 
That was fun. That was so fun, wasn't it fun? Yeah, we love Paul. We love Paul. <laughs> He's a really nice guy. Mm-hmm. We should uh, we should uh, schedule our Philadelphia trip around Halloween <gasps> so we can go to the haunted house thing they have there. Yes, we should buy the tickets now. It's because it's cheap. cheap. Yeah, that's because right. We can take a coronacation. <laughs> coronacation. 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 That's right. Um, is there anything else you want to add to the story? I learned a lot. I forget exactly all what Paul said about the prison exactly. I don't want to like re-say something that he said. <laughs> it's like a 30-minute interview. He gave us a lot of info. I don't remember. And then I don't remember what he said and what I read. Okay. You know, it's all blending mm-hmm. together for me. Yeah, we're recording this outro a few days later yeah. than the interview. Mm-hmm. So that's why we can't remember, not because we have that short of an attention span. Oh, no. Yeah, it was a few <laughs> days later. Um, uh, we're not goldfish. Just want to throw that out there in case mm-hmm. you were confused. No. <laughs> um, I think that's all I have to say. I just figured we should do an outro because I wanted to. I agree. There's nothing else to say, though. Yeah, I think. So um, thanks for listening. Mm-hmm. We hope you enjoyed the interview. We yes. enjoyed doing it. Yeah, buy Paul's books. Buy Paul, yes, buy, oh, we got to say that. Buy <laughs> Paul's books. I think, what's his website, paulkahan.com? Yeah, I think, or is it .net? .net. We'll link it in the episode. <laughs> but you can look up Paul Kahan. Did I say Paul Kahn? No, you Damn said it. Paul Kahan. Oh, God. Okay. Well. Look up Paul K. Han. I'm, yeah. He wrote a book, Eastern State Penitentiary, A History. Mm-hmm. Um, he also has a ton of other books. Yeah. That he's... are probably, he's really smart. <laughs> and does a lot of historical books. Oh, no, it's Paul H- paulkahan.com. Sorry, that was wrong. paulkahan.com. Buy his book. Sure, it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm excited oh, to yeah. read it. Eastern State Penitentiary is really interesting. It's a I... really interesting place. I didn't know all the stuff about that mm-hmm. until he talked about it, really. Because yeah, no. you only hear about the haunting stuff. You never hear... I mean, I only read about... They're like, oh, it was a dark place. They were tortured. Uh-huh. Here's all these ghost stories. Uh-huh. And he but... tells a lot about like why the prison was made. and Yeah, no, it's a really interesting <laughs> place in the history of like prison design and prison like uh Mm -hmm. theory i guess yeah 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 Mm -hmm. okay so uh that's all i have okay i think we're done we're done okay okay i've been harry and i'm still carly and this has been known unknowns have yourself a merry little christmas because it's weird out there Bye. bye Oh, also, vote on Tuesday if you're in Illinois. Bye. Bye.